Welcome to Leadership Reimagined, Episode 14, where Madeline Blair, PhD, consultant and author of Unlock, discover how to embrace the unexpected, and I discuss resilience, why it's called for today, and how individuals need to and can build and reinforce their natural resilience. During each episode, we look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations into a new future. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. If you're looking to reimagine your leadership, I would love to help you and your team. Go to reimagineyourleadership.com and I'll call you. You'll have fun and expand your business at the same time. I know, shouldn't it be fun? If it's not, why are you doing it? So this is Jane Lovis, and here I am today on Leadership Reimagined with Madeline Blair, with Dr. Madeline Blair. Madeline is the author of Unlocked, about strategies for you to prepare and handle today's challenges. And that's for sure where we are today. So a little bit about Madeline. She has over 40 years of experience, of executive experience, including being the division chief at the World Bank and running her own company for 30 years. And so she brings real experience to management problems, experience that has led to success. In addition to that, she has formally studied the subject of management through her MBA from Wharton and PhD in organizational psychology from Tilburg University in Holland. So she's very qualified to advise and coach. She's also written five books on various topics about organizations, groups, and individuals. The topics range from gender issues to personal knowledge management, group processes, and building resilience. She also writes a blog on Psychology Today about resilient leadership. She's taught at several universities working with undergraduates through PhD students, and she now teaches at Columbia University. As a side, very important fact, she's a wife, mother, and grandmother who loves to garden and design and construct her own clothing. Wow, Madeline, you are you are up to a lot of things, especially now, you know, I'm, this is a little bit of a side topic, but everybody that I know is getting into gardening right now <laughs> with the pandemic <laughs> going on. Well, I, I have to tell you, Jane, that I have had a garden that my husband and I have done for 45 years. So gardening is not new to us, but I will tell you that this time when I went to can some tomatoes, which when it comes through the garden, when it's a good year, you really want to can them because they're just so sweet. Uh, These stores were wiped out of canning jars (laughs) and lids. Now, fortunately I have a supply because I do it. I've done it for years. Well, but I didn't have the copious supply that I prefer. But anyway, it worked out. I got my 14 jars of of, uh, tomatoes. (laughs) And and, and I agree. Homegrown tomatoes are so much better than because they're ripe when you get them. 
so when you pick them and then you can eat them i that that's great um and before we digress too far into food let's bring it back to we wanted to talk about unlocked your book unlocked and you said you you also just released it as an audio book that's right uh it it was published, it was launched in October of 19. Uh, by the way, it made it to a number one bestseller international, which really pleased me. Um, and uh, I think it was about maybe four months later, uh, a gentleman that I work with said, you really must do an audiobook." He said, there are a lot of people who want to hear it. So somewhat reluctantly, I agreed to do it because I had a colleague who does this professionally. And I said, would you do it for me? And he said, no, no. He read read the book. He said, Madeline, there's too much of you in this. You have to do it with me. So we actually shared the role of of recording it, which is occasionally done with audiobooks. And and that's how it is. Yeah. It was a a very interesting experience. I can tell you that reading your own writing is a totally, reading out loud your own writing is a very different experience. It, It deepened my appreciation for what I had done, believe it or not, because, you know, you write something and uh, you, you almost, it's not that you forget that you wrote it, but when you suddenly hear it as well as read it, it, it just expands and it gives you more understanding. Yeah. Wow. That, that is so interesting. And I have started listening to a lot more audio books. So I'll have to get a copy of it and listen to it. And I love to read. So I read lots of books, too. Good. Uh, Listening. um, I've got a couple. I can create a couple hours a day to listen with walking dogs and and things like that right right now. So that's like free, almost free reading time for me. And what... When you talked, when you wrote Unlocked, um, you were talking about strategies for handling today's challenges. Now, you didn't even know about COVID (laughs) when you wrote that book. I mean, and talk about having something ready right away. So what what, what are some of the, the strategies? Because that's that's in essence what leadership reimagined is, is what, what are the strategies for us as we're coping with all this transformation that we're having in the, in the world? Well, uh, to answer that question, and I will, uh, I think it's important to know that I did some earlier research for one of my other books. It's called Writing the Current, which is all about uh, personal knowledge management. When I was interviewing people for that, and I interviewed people all over the world for that one, I found that there was a subset of those people who were extraordinary on so many planes. Uh, They all had reinvented themselves. They had all overcome amazing impediments. And I said, these people are resilient. Now, I wonder what makes them different from the other people. Is there something that's a common characteristic? And I found they had three characteristics. And when I looked at those three, I said, these can be developed. Uh, The first is that they know who they are. The second is that they have in-depth knowledge in some area. 
uh, and I, well, I'll just leave it at that for now. In-depth knowledge. And the third is that they are insatiably curious. So they're constantly learning. And I said, those are three things every person, if they decide that they really want to develop themselves, they can do those things by themselves. And what will come out of that is not only a more capable individual, but a more resilient individual, a more creative individual, a more innovative individual. It's, uh, it's quite remarkable. When I looked into the psychology readings uh, literature, uh, you can see where it's all reinforced. So that's the background. And I think it's important for people to know that there's a real foundation for what I did. Um, I developed a series of practices and I'm going to talk about those practices today from the relationship of being a leader in an organization. So not as an individual, but as a leader. Although sometimes it will sound like it's at the individual level. You just sort of bear with me. Um, the first, I, I call them practices, by the way, because to develop anything in ourselves, it requires repetition. And if you get into the practice of it, then your body says, oh, this is important to you. You do it over and over again. Then let me pay attention. Let me build it into myself. Uh, I, I always give the example of, you know, if you went for a black belt, you wouldn't expect to get it tomorrow. You would practice <laughs> to get there. Okay, so the first practice is to take five minutes a day in silence. No phones, no radio, no TV, no computer, no email blinking at you. Nothing. Now, some people would say, well, I, I can't do that. I've got three kids. Well, that's your challenge is to find a way that you can hive off five minutes of uninterrupted time. Uh, people in New York often say to me, it's when I'm sitting on the subway. It's I know how long it takes me to get from station A to station B where I'm going. And that's my time because I, it may be not silent, but it is not interrupted. So that's the the first practice. And you say, well, how can you do that in an organization? Well, the idea of practice, uh, I'm sorry, the idea of that silence is that it gives your mind a time to quiet and to think and to let what's called the default network, not that, that, that executive part of your brain that's busy, 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 busy talking to you all the time, quiet that down so that the default network, which is where your creativity comes from, can begin to talk to you. To bring that kind of practice into an organization, what you need to do is give your staff that time. So let's say you're planning a meeting and you have a particular agenda on the topic that you want to talk about. Hopefully that's why you're having a meeting, not just to, you know, waste time. And what you can do is send out not just an agenda, but send out some questions and say, would you think about these questions and so that, to prepare yourself for the meeting? That means that the individual is given permission to think and reflect. And that's, that's what we want them to do. So that's how you translate that into the business. Okay. The second practice is called story. I ask people who work with me, if I'm coaching them or whatever, I say, I want you to write a personal story. If you can do it, do it every day. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a long story. It can be a very short story. 
Hemingway did a story in six words. Well, we're not Hemingway, but still what I want to do is give you permission that it can be short. That exercise, when done over time, acts as a mirror because you're writing personal stories about your life. And by the way, they can be from five minutes ago or from when you were five. It doesn't matter the time frame of the story. The key is to keep looking and reflecting on your own life. And as I said, those stories act as a mirror and you discover who you are. Now, how does how do you translate that into an organization? Um, I've done this many, many times. Uh, it's actually one of the most popular things that people ask me to do. It's it's a it's when people have a chance to tell a story about themselves. For example, I'll ask I'll, I'll be working with a team and I'll, and maybe they're having difficulty gelling, you know, really getting together. And I'll say to them, "Look, guys." I want you to tell a story about a time that you were very proud of what you did. And I don't care if this is when you did, you know, this big project last year or whether, you know, you won this badge in Boy Scouts. If it was something you were proud of, I want you to be able to tell that story to, to someone else. And it, depending on the size of the audience or the group, they may do it all together or they may do it in, like in pairs. What happens in those times is that they discover who each other is. And that mm-hmm. builds that, that group. And I've watched, I've watched even boards of directors suddenly get excited about each other because they knew something new and they could find common ground among them. Uh, so that's, that's the second one. The third practice, and please interrupt me if you, if you need to at any time. Uh, the third one is uh, what I call social. One of the things that, that is not listed in those, partic- those three characteristics, but comes out of the literature everywhere and certainly was reinforced by my interviews with those people, that they had great networks. And that's what we call them in business. We call them networks. So, the, the practice is very simple. Every day, do something that works to build or maintain your network. And I'll tell you, in the times of COVID, that's incredibly important that you think of people, call them. In fact, when it first, you know, when, like, I would say like in March and April, when it was still, we didn't know anything about it at all. I was calling people that I hadn't even talked to for 20 years and saying, I'm just calling to see if you're okay. Are you healthy? Are you safe? And I had some of the most wonderful conversations. I totally agree. I did the same thing. Yeah. And you said, call in to check, see how things are. And yeah. 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 So it, it, it uh, in a way, it was a, uh, I don't want to call it a blessing because I, I just somehow can't think of a pandemic <laughs> as a blessing, but one has to look for what you can draw from it. And that was certainly, uh, although we have, are now in isolation, which is actually causing other kinds of trauma, but at least it, it, for me, it called attention to the fact that I had many, many people in my circle, my network. And I think that in an organization, there's all th- kinds, kinds of ways in which you can build your network and you can facilitate your staff in building networks. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> knowledge management, we call them communities of practice, whatever. 
The fourth practice, the fourth practice is, is my favorite. It's called ask a question. Every day, mm. ask a question. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be a significant question. It could be a simple question. It doesn't matter. Just think about what are you curious about? Because every time you ask a question, you are nurturing your curiosity. So in a business setting, in a business setting, it means that as a leader, you need to create an environment that nurtures curiosity. You have to allow your staff to ask questions and to ask them not, um, what's the right word? Not so that they're constantly filtering how they ask the question, but that they can ask a question about which they're curious. Now, I teach a lot of students, and I often ask, often say to them, I am going to ask you questions. Never assume that my question means you've done something wrong. Always assume that it's just that Dr. Blair needs more information. And it's amazing how that opens up the student's mind, literally. They, and they're very relaxed about asking me questions, asking each other questions, uh, because there's never the judgment there. And for a leader, you have to begin by modeling it. Uh, you, you set the tone and how you respond to questions. You, you're modeling how that should be done. Now, of course, there's all kinds of more strategies that operate at organizational level. But I think for this, we don't have time to go through, you know, semester. <laughs> but these, these are so great because, you know, if you, if you had a group of people that spent time getting to know themselves and getting to know others, and then they got curious about all kinds of other things. Imagine what could happen. You got it, Jane. That is exactly what happens. You put these things together. I can tell you from experience that you'll have a dynamite team. Dynamite. Yeah. Okay, let's do the fifth practice. Because I, I know yeah. we don't have a great deal of time. Uh, the fifth practice is it's called selection. Decide each day what is the most important thing for you to do. And by the way, that's not necessarily your priority list. Because everybody will say to me, well, I've got a priority list. I'll just do number one. No, I want you to think about what's the most important. Because the most important thing might be to call your mother. And it forces you to think about all the domains in your life. All right. There's my family. There's my personal stuff, my business, you know, et cetera. What's the most important thing to do? And then do it. Now, I started doing that for myself. And this one, uh, I, I, you don't have to translate for business because this is what you should be doing in business anyway. Every morning, yeah. I say to myself, what is the most important thing that I can do? And I do it. I do it. That's, that's the next thing you have to do. <laughs> I've gotten more done since I took my own advice. Uh, I mean, that was part of what made the book happen. It was part of what, what made this. I have a radio show that's going to be starting in September. It is September, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, it just so many things got accomplished simply because I said this is the most important thing. And I allowed myself then to focus on that until it was done. And then I could do the other stuff. 
Right. And I'm a list person. I'm a list person. (laughs) I tell people, there was a time when my lists covered three pages, and that is no exaggeration. And (laughs) the list itself would overwhelm me. So when I shifted my, my priorities, or I shifted my approach, rather, to thinking about what was the most important thing, my to-do list now is on one very small little card because there's maybe three, four items. That's it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I really like that. What's the most important thing to do? And it's all, I shouldn't say always, but it's always going to be something that moves your life forward. Yes. Because if it's, if, if you get the, you know, ranging from call your mother, there's a reason that that comes to mind as the most important thing. And, and as you said, it frees your mind up. So if calling your mother came to mind, because, you know, you call her, you then opened up space for all these to have, to be able to take, do all these other things because you're not concerned about that. You have you've your, really captured it, Jane. You, yeah, I'm just. I am so clear that we don't deal with things, and they sit in our mind. Yep. And yeah, you know, I was reading an article a couple weeks ago, and they and they said that. It used to be they thought we could keep like eight things in our mind. And then they realized, no, it wasn't eight. It was like five. And now they're saying, no, you don't want to keep anything in your mind. <laughs> you know, as soon as something, you want to get it out. Our, ma- our minds are not made to be to-do lists. I think another way to say it is that we have, we have, uh, what's the right word? Um, We've made ourselves believe, believe that we can multiprocess. And in fact, our brains yeah. do not multiprocess. They do one thing at a time. Now, mothers yeah. can multiprocess, but that's only because they, they can quickly move from task to task <laughs> because they're, right. they're constantly being presented. Really. That way. <laughs> yeah. But we really, the mind only does, the brain only does one thing at a time. Yeah. 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 And so trying to hold all that stuff in that's what it's doing it's trying to hold all that stuff so if you if you deal with it and get it out of your mind then the creative space the trans you know the the space to do things happen Mm -hmm. is there and I have I have found that every time that you know I'll be sitting there overwhelmed and I'll just do a brain dump and get it out. And even if I don't do anything else with it, I'm always amazed at how much gets accomplished. Mm-hmm. And most of those things on that, that I did the brain dump get accomplished. Yeah. I, I often refer to it as bandwidth. You know, I have so much yeah. bandwidth. <laughs> so I, yeah. you know, you would turn things off if your bandwidth is too small. <laughs> Oh, that is so great. I mean, I got it, but I really get that now because 
I mean, I've been using Zoom and doing videos, video conferencing for years. And about probably the middle of March, all of a sudden, I never had enough bandwidth. <laughs> because everyone was at home using Zoom. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the internet only has, you know, the different carriers only have so much bandwidth. That's right. Also. That's right. And not to mention so, the fact that yeah. a lot of people were streaming movies. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Yeah. What are those those practices again? Let's run through those real quick again. Because I those I, I don't want somebody to get to this point listening and go, oh, I remember the last one, but I didn't write down the other ones because I'm driving in my car or something. Okay. So 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 let's go through and, and okay. just highlight those again. All right, there are five. The first is called silence. The second is called story. The third is called social. The fourth is called seeking because you're curious. And the last is called Mm. selection. Selection. If they really want to know, they can buy my book. (laughs) They can. can. And I want them to read. That's why I want them to remember this because... Yeah. Um, yes. Get get unlocked and un. You know, we we all have so much potential. I mean, when you look at what people do in their lives, they'll they'll be going along, you know, just kind of at the same place, and then something happens. They get really excited about something. They discover something. And all of a sudden, they're doing things that they never had any thought about that they had the capacity to do. And, you know, for, for leaders of organizations, that to unlock your organization right now is so critical. Because we don't, we are not going to come back into the same world that we left. You're absolutely correct. It is not going to be the same. And, and I have people who look at me and say, well, you know, once we get a vaccine, it's all going to go back. And I said, no, it's not. Think about 9-11. After 9-11, who would have anticipated that you can no longer greet somebody at the gate when they fly in? I mean, I did that all the time. Right. And I can't do that now. And it's, I mean, it's a simple thing, right? It's nothing. Okay, it's because of security. And that's the big thing. But to me, it's losing that moment when you can give that special attention to somebody who's coming to visit you. So there's going to be all kinds of subtle changes that occur, even as we finally resolve, either resolve or with a vaccine or something. Exactly. And and behaviors have changed in people. And it's been, you know, 9-11 was a very catastrophic event that happened in, in a very, you know, a short time frame. Right. Very it was short a single episode, frame. yes. Yeah, whereas we're at five months now mm-hmm. where some people have not been out of their house six months. You know, we're still not shaking hands. We're not touching people except in your immediate family. These are behaviors that 
are going to going to hang around, you know, this, this yes. being a little bit more leery, a little bit more cautious about certain things. And so we we need to be able to create and look at new ways of connecting and supporting and bringing out the best that people have so that so that what innovation is sitting there in people's brains that's just kind of stuck there because they're not having conversations they're not having the same kinds of conversations with people i think you just brought up a very interesting point uh it it is true that we are we are um, our creativity even our learning is is best done with other people and we've been really mm-hmm. uh, zoom has been uh, i think <laughs> it was it was there at the right time sort of like my book was there at the right time well zoom was there at the right time yeah. it's not a, a, an old technology i've been on doing virtual things for a long time and i just loved when zoom finally came out because it it seemed to solve all the problems that I, I had at the time. So, and I also think it's quite remarkable that the company themselves uh, worked hard because it didn't anticipate to grow that quickly. So it worked hard to, to, to give people that capacity. Yeah. 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 And, and did things for organizations that to, to make this easy. And it, it was really the, the first one that was really interactive and group interactive. Correct. You know, it wasn't one way. Mm-hmm. So we've got all these different different things and yet we are a we are a people and we we grow and expand from interaction. Yep. Well we're built that way. That's absolutely right. Yeah. We are built that way. We need that. And I think there's going to be a real, as you say, an adjustment even when we, we are able to come together in groups. I read an article this morning on the New York Times that said we're actually losing some of our, our social skills because we don't have the practice with other people for such a long time. We were in isolation. And they just described yeah. people who had, who had done work, uh, you know, gone to Antarctica to, to work as a scientist for many, many months. And when they come back, they're, they go through an adjustment period until they're, you know, back to normal. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. adjusting. And so I really see these five practices. They're both individual and group practices. And they're, yeah. and they're very social practices. They are. Because sharing your story, it's hard to share your story with yourself. So, and mm-hmm. it builds relationship in a community. So, as you said, if your team, you've, you know, you've worked with boards where the board members now have a different relationship. Because when you know a story about someone, it changes. It changes, yes. And then, and then being curious and asking questions and getting to know people is different and making it safe to do that. The book is full of stories as well. So if you get in and start reading it or listening to it or whatever, you'll discover every one of those has stories throughout where I've interviewed people. Yeah. I was, I was just going to ask if you had anything else that you wanted to say. Oh, yes. But I think our time, our time is more than up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'd like to say. 
I'd like to invite people to come and listen to my radio show. And it's been, the radio show is called Unlocked. It broadcasts live on Bold Brave Media Talk Network and TuneIn Radio. But it's also archived on iTunes and more. Uh, there's even a time when you can do call-in questions. So if people come to my website, they can get more information on it and how to, to actually come in. The first episode is on uh, September the 10th. Thursdays, it'll be Thursdays at noon. So I'm very excited about this. I have I have three months worth of stellar guests lined up already. Oh, good for you. That's exciting for you. I'm really excited for that. And thank you. This has been so great. I, I just thank you for saying yes and for, for coming and for having this wonderful conversation today. Jane, thank you so much for the invitation. You're welcome. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Thanks for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. Now is the time to reimagine your leadership. Take a minute and go to reimagineyourleadership.com and I'll call you. We'll have powerful conversations. You'll take action. Yes, there are always actions to take. Your business will expand and I guarantee you'll have fun at the same time. I know, shouldn't it be fun? If it's not fun, why are you doing it?